Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Owen O'Sullivan and today's guest on the show is Michal Keating. He is one third of Bleeding Heart Pigeons. They're completed by Brendan McInerney on drums and backing vocals and Carl Histon on synthesizer sampling and backing vocals as well. Michal plays guitar and is the main singer in the band. They're from Limerick and they've just released their second album, Stir. It took a while to come out. They released their debut album back in 2016. It's called Is and it came out on Virgin Records and they kind of went through a few things uh, that we get into with Hall, who kind of explains what happened there. Yada 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 they're not on Virgin Media anymore and they released Stir on their own Hlym Records H-L-Y-M you can listen to the album on Spotify and get it from bleedingheartpigeons.bandcamp.com Bleeding Heart Pigeons had been around for a good few years before the release of that debut album. They released an EP called In a Room in Littleton, Colorado back in 2013 that's kind of about the uh, Columbine massacre. So they've had big ideas and big widescreen vision for this band for a long, long time. Their next EP, A Hallucination, the title track of that is eight minutes long. Things took a little bit of a left turn for stir the tracks are a bit shorter now i think the longest one is five minutes and 36 seconds and as for influences they're talking about uh synth pop acts like talk talk and new order likes of grizzly bear and boards of canada as well and they got a rave review from friend of the show zara hederman and gavin glass on rt's arena a couple of weeks ago and they've been getting rave reviews from lots of other people as well i mentioned league o'toole and the like being longtime champions of Bleeding Heart Pigeons and it's great to see the outpouring of support for them around this album that of course is being released in such a difficult time and hopefully we'll get to uh, see them live and get get to see them do their thing maybe this year hopefully fingers crossed but anyway this conversation was recorded a couple of weeks ago a week ahead of the release of Stir. And if you stick around for the end of the chat, you'll get to hear All For The Best. It's the second song on the album. I could have picked so many to go out on, but uh, I really, really like uh, that track in particular. So uh, that's the outro music on this week's episode of The Point Of Everything. So uh, let's get into it. This is myself talking to Michal Keating from Bleeding Heart Pigeons. I guess I've been starting a lot of these interviews that I've been doing like during the lockdown just by asking artists how they've been getting on in their homes in isolation and in lockdown and everything. So how's it going for you, Michal? Um, it's going fine now. Um, I think in my nature, it's not that different for me to be uh, kind of alone in the house. Kind of, uh, I think a lot of artists feel that way, kind of are used to hunkering down at home, working and stuff at home. So in that way, it's it's okay, and I think I like I like a bit of solitude. Um, I know at times that kind of solitude can be very different for a lot of people, but I kind of I kind of like that. It's definitely a lot of times where it's hard, um, and I just feel lonely. Like I watched normal people, that just made me feel so lonely. Um, but it's all right. I, I've been working a lot on stuff, so. I haven't been bored or anything. Um, I'm doing a master's in, in UL at the moment. So I just finished the semester. So I'm kind of breathing a sigh of relief right now. Congratulations. What What are you uh, doing the master's on? Uh, thank you. Uh, it's art and technology. 
just a one year masters so i'm nearly nearly done just got to do my thesis oh okay because a couple of the um videos that you guys have put out have kind of been kind of these v i saw you put out a vr one uh yesterday as we're talking is that kind of like uh indulging the tech and art side of things a a little bit yeah a little bit it's it's nothing too fancy but um i'm not i'm not that much of a tech nerd but i like to you know use tools that i can to make stuff um i'm not like overtly interested in the tech side of things but i'm i am interested in what you can do with stuff yeah but yeah that was something that i did and it was definitely informed by a few bits that i was learning like generative visuals with all the lines going everywhere and stuff that was kind of stuff that i've been doing a bit in in college so I, I guess you could let the tech side of things like overwhelm you. Like I know that Holly Herndon released an album uh, last year that drew a lot of critical acclaim. Or was it earlier this year? And it, it is kind of uh, like the influence of robots that she uses. I think I can't mm-hmm. remember the exact uh, selling point of the album. Yeah. But like it can overwhelm you, I suppose, the tech side of things. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, Holly Herndon is definitely someone who's a lot deeper into it. Like, uh, she, I think she made her own artificial intelligence for the album or something. So I wouldn't really be on that level. But uh, at the same time, I really liked, I really, I really am interested in that. The whole kind of AI question about AI autonomy and making music and like, you know, people being afraid that AI will take over their jobs. It's It's an interesting thing. And what she says then is that, we can just work with that technology to make new things rather than it replacing us, which I agree with. So, so, so Bleeding Heart Pigeons album number three, you know, like, I mean, if you let it get in too much, I mean, that's what it's going to sound like. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> we, won't, we won't talk about that. We're, uh, so uh, what did you think of normal people before we get into the music side of things? You said that it made you feel lonely, but like, uh, I, I can kind of get that but also like i just think it's such a great love story yeah it it is a great love story my my girlfriend is studying in, in amsterdam and she's been there for two years so in that way i just felt that uh, separateness and i think that's the strongest part of normal people is like how it plays with the per- precarity of modern relationships that for me is like really what's most powerful about it i i really loved the series and i loved the book as well i feel like there were certain parts that maybe the series made a little bit plainer but overall i really enjoyed it i, th- I think it was uh i think it was brilliant and i was just reading a piece this morning just about uh the differences between the book and the tv show and kind of like you have to make concessions i suppose you know stuff has to be a little bit um more spelled out you mm-hmm. on tv than it is in the book but uh i don't know i think i think it's one of the best things that i've seen and the way that like just seeing ireland on the screen as well in such mm-hmm. an in such that way you know it's such a rarity to see it so well done like you can just relate to it even if you don't relate to the main story i think there's so many other parts of it where you're like oh you know the catch your eye about just ireland yeah yeah i mean for me the first few episodes where it was at school it was like so close to home like i was like totally transfixed by it you know it was amazing those first few episodes i think so i suppose we're here to talk about bleeding heart pigeons your new album stir is out last friday as we're talking we're talking a week before it's released how are you feeling about it are you uh happy to finally get it out in the world really happy yeah it's been um it's been a very long road to 
get to releasing it. So quite relieved um, to be getting it out. Um, at the time that we were making it, we were still on uh, Virgin Records and it was kind of 2017 uh, that we actually recorded it. So it's been a really, really long time. There's been a lot of changes that have occurred since then. But uh, overall, I'm really excited for people to hear it. Um, still still quite proud of it, even after all this time. Um, yeah, really excited to, to get it out. How do you feel like it differs from the first album? Like, do you think, do you feel like you just naturally grew as a band? Yeah, I think that side of it is very natural. There's, there's not that much of a kind of cerebral decision that goes into how things are going to change. It comes about very naturally, I think. The songs are definitely a bit shorter and a bit more concise. Got a bit more into the structuring of the songs, the kind of mechanics like listen to a lot of Beach Boys and Burt Backrack and stuff like that would do that to you, Jimmy Webb. Yeah, I feel um, I guess it's more mature as as well in a way. There's like the moments of kind of experimentalism they're employed in a more careful way or whatever. Whereas on the last album there was some really long tracks, which I've got no issue with that either. I don't regret doing that at all. It's just. Um, what you do next kind of responding to what you did before i suppose maybe maybe talk about that just like is is there a difference in the creative process of making a long track as opposed to a short track just because i remember like when you put out your your first couple of singles like they were six or seven minutes long um and you've had like eight and nine minute tracks uh, as well over the years like how does that compare to some of the stuff on uh the new album which which is kind of like three or four minutes maybe like half half as long yeah um, I think the longer ones, they tend to be more uh, jam-based, I guess, as the, as the process. I don't think a songwriter would really sit down in their bedroom and kind of go, oh, well, we're going to do this riff for so long and then maybe we could change the cymbal and do it a couple more times. It's That's like more what happens when the band is in the room. So, uh, yeah, like songs like Nausea, uh, on the first album, which is uh, like nine minutes long, that was really like a jam song, and really the intensity of coming together and just playing in the room for a little bit. That's what kind of comes ro- across in that, and that's kind of built around the song then almost. Um, so there is quite a different process to them, I think. Is is it that you were kind of like you had already kind of gotten that side of things out of your out of the system when you went to record this new album were you like not bored by the idea of kind of that that jamming aspect of it but you were you like we've already done that you know there is an element of getting it out of your system i think uh, all right there's also an element of what you haven't gotten into your system yet that comes into that (laughs) i like that i like that yeah so yeah it's just playing around really uh feeling feeling your way into new things we might talk about your your actual journey like you touched on it there being on virgin records we might talk about that in a second but just continuing on the album part of it you mentioned that it was recorded in 2017 i, I was reading an interview on uh golden Plec in 2018 when you were doing a couple of gigs and it sounded like it was it was uh ready to go and stuff did anything actually change with the album itself uh in the two years like were you literally sitting on a finished album for two years or were you 
uh, tempted to go back in and open up the files again and, and you know, revisit it and, and change things up? No, it, it pretty much stayed the same. One thing that did change was that uh, the song Weddings and Wakes used to be on the album. And we, we took that off only within recent months and we re-recorded it to because we didn't feel like it quite captured what it was like when we were playing it live last year. So we re-recorded it and then put it as a B-side to Real Connection, the first single. I think re-recording it as well would just mean that it didn't have the same sonic character because uh, we had a specific mix engineer that did the album. So I would be inclined to just uh, keep the album as what he mixed for that kind of sonic coherency. But also I think it was a good decision to omit it anyway, just in terms of the the tone of the album, it kind of makes the tone a little more coherent. So that song is a little bit more bright and, and breezy in, in some ways. And thematically, is is there kind of like a running theme throughout the album? Yeah, I feel like it, it probably does have a very thematic kind of root to it. Although I don't know how premeditated that is. I think it's something that just arises. I feel like there's two kind of... The songs kind of focus on these two mechanics, which is the fear of losing things and also trying to reach for things (laughs) and it's all about these kind of mechanisms that just kind of basically drive what we do on a daily basis as humans that's kind of like what is thinking about a lot like this what are these kind of desire desiring forces that just basically make us move yeah also fear fear of of losing things i feel like those are the two things that come to me when i look at it also as as a wider thing kind of what does that kind of desire machine mean on a wider scale for humans as a whole like what are we trying towards you know in terms of uh environmental collapse and stuff heading towards that kind of thing like what's this progress that we're progressing towards those are some of the kind of questions i think so big, big stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you reach a, a kind of a happy conclusion about that or is it best to uh, to leave it be? <laughs> best not yeah. to think about it. I think, yeah, I think it's best to just maybe listen to the album. It kind of does have a sense of conclusion to it. On the last track, I think, uh, Good Dogs Never Die, it kind of ties that together, I think. I won't try to rationalize what it is, though. <laughs> <laughs> Is is there much of yourself in uh, the album? Uh, there was one. There was one line. I think it's in "All for the Best," one of the single, one of the pre-release singles that you released, and it's uh, just read. You, I think it's one of the first lines in the song. Been down for over a year now, and I've been trying, but I can't find a way out. Is that yourself in the album, or is it still that kind of like persona that you've put on throughout it? Um, yeah, it is kind of myself, but kind of interestingly enough, I think it's actually kind of. The band itself, like that lyric almost comes from the band because say we, it kind of comes into our whole label story and all that kind of stuff, I think. Um, say we, you know, build it up for years to release this album uh, is, which we were really proud of and very excited for people to hear. And it came out and it got really great reception, but it didn't really fly very far and we didn't get to do very many gigs or anything like that so like a couple months after it was released 
it was kind of like, oh, maybe you should get on to the next album now. Um, and, you know, our our money was cut down drastically. So we were very uh, financially struggling, kind of living with our parents, but also not being able to get a job because we were meant to be fully committed to this thing. So there was a, it was a, after Is came out, it was a kind of a hard time for us. Um, we feel, still feel or didn't have that feeling of exhaling from the first album, you know. We really wanted to get out and play that for people a lot. Um, and we were kind of, I suppose, you know, we were young and a bit naive and maybe trusting for other people to look after us and make sure that we got what we needed out of the touring and all that. So I think we were, we were a bit frustrated. So I think that's where that comes from. It felt nice to kind of write that in a song because it's kind of a collective feeling of frustration about what happened. Yeah. Are, are you over it now? Are you like, you know, it, it's good experience. It stands you in good stead. I think so. Yeah. I'm feeling good about it now. Because, you know, we're, we've kind of, we're gone from the major label thing, you know, we're doing it ourselves. We've, you know, met lots of musicians. I think we, we always felt very lonely and disconnected kind of in terms of Irish music. You know, we never met that many musicians, even all the while we were on major labels. You know, we didn't really find us community that we related to and I think in recent years we have found that and people who are also doing it independently and I don't know it's just we're in a much better place now I think Uh, I definitely have this kind of feeling of uh, that is an experience that will kind of stand to us right yeah Maybe we should go back to to the start sort of thing. Like, when did Bleeding Heart Pigeons start? And how and when did Virgin Media Records get involved? Is it Virgin Media Records or Virgin, Virgin Records? It's Virgin Records. But um, to be honest, it changes all the time as well. I think shortly after we signed, it became Virgin EMI Records. So I think these kind of companies, they're like different parts of them being absorbed by different ones and all this kind of stuff. So I think what it is now is Virgin EMI. But what we signed to was Virgin. So we were, we were playing together as teens and we just played in my house. We are having fun as teenagers, starting off playing Arctic Monkeys covers and going from there. Then it was when I was in first year of college. What happened was I sent Little Green Cars a message on Facebook of a SoundCloud link to... Uh, one of our songs, Old Oak Tree, and uh, their manager then got in contact with us and he wanted to work with us. And basically he kind of stirred up this hype in the labels within a few months and we were signed within a couple of months. So it happened very, very, very quickly. Brendan was still in school, actually. Yeah, it was mental, mental. What's mental ab- about it? Just like, are, are you kind of being wined and dined in a way? Like, is it that kind of... Uh, kind of music business cliche of you know like you'll have the world yeah um, I, I really really like I think we were naive at the time you know we wanted to 
we definitely wanted to find a way to be able to continue doing music. And where we were at, we still didn't really get to go out and play gigs. We were still just playing in the shed. So we were kind of grasping for a way that we could connect with people. So I was really aware of all the kind of smoke being blown up me by by all these people. You know, they'll sit down with you at dinner or whatever and, and really just say ludicrous things to you. Like basically try to suggest that like every once in a while like a deep character comes along in music and I think like you're that person like telling you that you're you're Tom York kind of a thing um, which was really really uncomfortable for all of us I think but still you know we really wanted to continue making music so we went along with this this idea you know we were going to get out and play gigs I suppose and make albums and stuff yeah it was good initially I suppose and but after a while I suppose as we were being neglected and we didn't get to tour and lower money and stuff it it got less exciting yeah do you regret it or do you feel like it it is worth the experience kind of like what we what we were talking about a little earlier I remember at the time I like we always would have wanted to sign to an indie label because that's what we would have thought was cool back then, you know, like a do- domino or whatever, whatever, like the dream type labels. So when we were getting an offer from Virgin, then initially we were like, oh, well, we're not going to sign with them because, you know, that's a major label and we want to sign with an indie label. But as things went on, then it was like, you know, our management was like making clear to us that oh like this is like the best option like this is what you need to go with and we're kind of starting to think oh well you know like Radiohead kind of did this thing where they were on a major label and by the end of it they couldn't wait to get out of it and that's sure to be hard but maybe we should just go with this and you know just see it through and see what happens and you know maybe it could end up bad but we can handle it and we'll be free eventually sometime in the future um so that was kind of the tentative mentality i suppose going into it um i have to say i do kind of regret it in some ways yeah it's hard to say really what i don't think it was the right thing for us to do like but at the same time, I don't want to say that I like. I'm really regretful or like spiteful of the past. Um, I do think there is uh, definitely things that could have been done a lot better <laughs> for us. But you know, I'm in a different place now than where I am. I feel like I'm amongst the community of amazing Irish musicians that are able to kind of help each other out, and it's much easier to see how people could do stuff on their own whereas at the time we couldn't even organize a gig for ourselves yeah it's it's crazy like just how often and for how long it's gone on that like a band has signed to a major label and they've had a bad experience or the label kind of doesn't know what to do with them which I'm, I'm guessing is kind of one of the virgin records things with you guys they maybe didn't know what to market Yaz or something mm-hmm. like I don't know have you seen that Wilco documentary about uh, the making of uh, Yankee Foxtrot Hotel is that the name of the album yeah I, yeah. I watched that last week and uh, it's just like 
it just sounds like that stuff is still happening, even with Irish acts, you know, like you can think of a couple who have had major label experience and almost been scarred from it and just decided to go out on their own. I think someone like James Vincent McMorrow is interesting. Mm-hmm. He he signed to a major. He uh, I don't know. Did he did he leave it or did he get dropped from it or what happened? And he went independent for like, you know, six months. But I presume that that there were majors who were like scrambling after him and eventually he did or not even eventually just a couple of months later like he signed with sony he released a new song uh yesterday as we're mm-hmm. talking that's released on sony so he obviously you know he seems like someone who's maybe more radio friendly who labels know how to market it as but for someone who isn't making like three minute radio friendly songs it is kind of like a head scratcher as to how how they make money out of you yeah, I suppose it is. Um, yeah, I I don't know. We were never really into <laughs> being the kind of marketable thing, I suppose. <laughs> and so tell me about this kind of resurgence in Limerick that you feel part of. You felt you said earlier that you felt uh, a bit disconnected to the Irish music scene. Was it was, was it just like you didn't see much of it happening around you in Limerick at the time? Yeah, but I think even I didn't really spend. I didn't really spend that much time in Limerick City. Um, there were kind of, I suppose, the recession years. It fairly impacted Limerick City Centre for a couple of years. I don't think there was that much going on um, when I was in college and stuff. But uh, I think there's an element of also just us not knowing about what was out there. I definitely feel like like the amount and the quality of stuff is better now than it was then and there's a lot more music of the type that I'd be interested in but also I feel like I just wasn't um, hip to what was going on in Irish music either because the way that I think the three of us we were we we weren't amongst the community of music loving friends really we were kind of like you know, we were each in school as people who liked music and found it, you know, through reading Pitchfork or whatever back in the days when that was a great website. Yeah, like I think discovering music in that way through the internet and not really just, yeah, maybe not even making the effort to try and find what Irish music was there because we didn't actually know that it was impossible for <laughs> Irish music to be the music that we liked or whatever you know as radiohead fans or whatever you know uh was was there something that that happened in limerick that did actually make you sit up and take notice like i mean was it something like russ and gano family winning the choice prize in 2017 that you were like oh there is this stuff happening because just like in the past couple of years just seeing you know the the rise of limerick music it does definitely feel like uh a scene like its own independent uh thing that is very supportive of each other yeah yeah i, I mean uh russ and gano definitely are a, a big big one and we definitely would have been aware of them you know a good bit before that happened and before the album came out and stuff i remember the time i first came across them was when somebody i know shared the song uh i think it was waste man was the song um and I listened to it, I was like, whoa. And there's also, like, when I say we didn't know what was happening, 
with Irish music at the time. I, I'm like thinking about bands like Windings who are, you know, doing amazing stuff all the time that I wasn't even aware of. And I think people like Windings and uh, like Naive Ted, Rusangano family, um, a couple of those people have really um, carried the torch <laughs> through what seemed like it was maybe um, a more sparse period for Limerick music and they definitely ignited a kind of new generation of musicians. Uh, in terms of the DIY LK stuff, there's um, Michael Hennessy who plays bass in the band Cassavetes. Uh, he went to school with me and Cahill in Newcastle West. So he was actually, he's he's obviously in Cassavetes, so he was one of the founding kind of members of DIY LK. So they were playing a gig and we went along and started to meet other people and it just kind of grew and grew from there. That would have been, they kind of started in late 2016, early 2017. So, and there's obviously the, then in more recent years, then uh, we've gotten to know all the hip hop heads like Hazy Hayes and Citrus Fresh and all these guys. And, you know, there's so many people doing amazing stuff in Limerick now. It's uh, it's great. I love it. Yeah, it's a, it sounds like it's a really uh, supportive scene as well. Like I know that you've got Post Punk Podge playing strings on one of the tracks on the album. Like, did that just feel like a natural thing? Like you can just like reach out and you could you could probably have asked any of these acts you know to do a certain something on this album and it feels like they all would have said yes it just seems like a really like you know arms around each other community yeah totally um in terms of bleeding our pigeons like we never really collaborated with people i think pudge was probably the first person to ever be on one of our songs uh in that song trapped um but yeah didn't not necessarily true bleeding our pigeons that much yet but we haven't been doing uh a lot of collaboration like between ourselves um just last month uh bleeding our pigeons did a cover of cassavette's song for a, a diy lk charity compilation where um a number of the acts covered each other's songs it was for um doris limney charity um which supports immigrant rights and stuff so nice little bits like that happening recently um also, I've been working with a lot of bands recording as well. Um, I've been working with Casavitz, uh, his father's voice. At the moment, I'm doing um, an album with Post Punk Podge, uh, doing some stuff with King Palace. Yeah, so I've been doing a lot of recording stuff as well. Um, yeah, it's great. I really enjoying working with other people. It's kind of, yeah, it's definitely, it feels like what we were missing before in terms of connection to a kind of creative community is is being uh an independent act just something that you would say to any of these acts like would you say would you recommend them again signing with like a, a label if they came knocking or would you be like you don't need to you can have like total control and uh over your output if you just do it yourself and it's it's pretty easy nowadays to do it yeah there's definitely a lot to be said for it these days. Um, you can kind of operate things on the kind of stakes level that you think is right. Um, I think that's very valuable. But, you know, it, it costs money as well. Like, uh, you know, who has a couple of grand to 
to make to press final records um you know um it, it can be hard to do that i i'm definitely wary about a uh, major labels like i feel like you have to to really succeed in that world you have to be a kind of very marketable kind of cohesive thing whereas i feel like with our music we're a bit like all over the place with our influences like we really really like to explore a lot so in that way it probably wasn't right for us to be on virgin records but i mean pe people have to find ways to make a living um in music any way that someone can do that it's probably fine um i feel like if labels started asking us again after release after the release of this album like we were not closed off to um to the meter you know we definitely we'd be very very careful about it but yeah i don't know i suppose the biggest lesson is not to be not to get too excited or like enchanted by offers you know it's very easy to get carried away with these things um, and also to realize you know in terms of managers and all that stuff like there's nobody that's going to actually look out for you um the way that you will you know um everyone has their own motives and you have to you have to stand up for yourself like at, at all times really that's what i've kind of found good, good life lesson uh if nothing else yeah talking about uh limerick i feel that we have to talk about uh denise chyla i don't know if you saw her uh live stream that she did as part of courage 2020 at the national gallery with other voices during the week oh gotcha yeah like it, it, it felt like it felt like a coming out party didn't it it felt like oh like everyone is going to be blown away by this yeah it was really really incredible um yeah i i was I just kind of casually put it on. I I got I caught it after the fact. I think I put it on at like three o'clock in the morning, and I, I was already probably really tired. But I was just totally uh, transfixed then for the hour or whatever it was. I was totally blown away by it. It was amazing. Um, yeah, so exciting, so exciting. She just seems like one of those artists who, like, you can see, you know, she she's like someone that you could see everybody cla clamoring over to work with, isn't she? Totally, yeah. Totally, yeah. yeah she's, yeah, amazingly talented. Uh, I also really liked uh, seeing DJ Sean Murray wearing his Jamiroquai hat DJing in the National Gallery. That was cool. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's part of uh, PX Music, isn't he? He is, yeah. Um yeah, he's um, he's one of the head honchos, maybe I suppose, or maybe he is the head honcho of PX Music. Like, uh, he's really good at organizing the releases and you know, doing the kind of administrative side and doing a lot of behind the scenes work. So he's a bit of a legend. And so, tell me about the album is coming out, uh, album number two, which you've had for a while. Like, is there more music that you're that you're kind of sitting on waiting for the next kind of cycle of Bleeding Heart Pigeons? Um, we don't actually, funnily enough, uh, kind of have this thing where not being able to release the music, like, kind of is a bit immobilizing. I think during that period where we were waiting to get it out, we 
did other things with her creativity rather than going ahead with another bleeding heart pigeons thing. Like when when we kind of wrote and recorded it, it was kind of a year. It was like January twenty seventeen to January twenty eighteen. That was fairly full on with uh, writing and recording to finish it. So you get really deep into it for one year and you do need to kind of take a step back afterwards. So I think we're all um, doing different things to let our creativity out. Like I was doing a lot of recording uh, with bands. I think that was one of the things I did. Um, and Cahill was doing a lot of collaborations with people and trying to make music very fun again, I suppose, after doing something that's very pressurized and, you know, a lot of weight of self-expectation put upon it. So we don't actually have that much stuff. We do have some leftover stuff, which I'd be inclined to put on a release maybe later in the year um, and not carry it over onto the next thing. So maybe the next thing can be totally fresh. That's that's where I, what I'm feeling about it, yeah. And and do you think you've succeeded in making it all feel fun again, like recording the other acts that you're working with and all of the other stuff that you're doing? Does it feel invigorating and fun again? Yeah, totally, yeah. I mean, uh, even in the intense parts uh, of doing Stir, where it's quite pressurised, it's still, it's still fun, but yeah, I suppose there's something different about it. Yeah, it's hard to describe. I kind of always have fun doing music anyway. But um, there's definitely recording other people. It's given me a lot of new perspectives, um, which are very important. Because like, even if you love the music that you're recording and stuff, ultimately you're less invested in it than you would be when it's your own song. So it's, it gives you a lot of perspective and... Uh, think it helps you to check your own ego as well that's what i feel um and also get a lot of great insight into like processes of different artists and stuff yeah i really really i really like um working with people that way um i i guess like you know you talk you talk about uh when you're kind of getting wind and dined by the labels and people are you know making these big claims about you but then like you've still got your champions you've still got people now who have been there all along the way like i know leagues o'toole has been bigging you up on twitter and stuff and you know saying that you're one of the best bands in the country and it must just be like really really nice that there are people like that who will fight for you who don't really have an ulterior motive they're not trying to like you know get into bed with you or anything yeah um yeah, I mean, those people give us life and um, we're ever grateful to leagues and people like John Loftus and John Hennessy and different people like that who have really just uh, kind of come through for us and uh, supported us. Um, I, don't, I think it would be very, very, very hard to do it without, <laughs> to keep doing it without those people, you know, so very grateful for them. Cool. Well, um, listen, best luck uh, with Stir. People can order it on uh, your Bandcamp page. It comes in a nice uh, vinyl package. And uh, I guess best of luck with it. It'll be, it's, uh, it must be interesting kind of releasing it at the moment when you can't play any gigs. I presume that you had like uh, re- live gigs lined up for it. Yeah, we did totally. Um, I mean, our whole release plan, it was all done prior to the lockdown. 
and we just we stuck to it and we had to cancel all the gigs which is a disaster and you know we've ordered I've got a, a room full of records that we won't be able to flog at gigs now but you know hopefully that we can make it spread and <laughs> make back the money on it um, and you know we did we did get to play the material last year so that was good but yeah we're going to be really gagging to get out and and play for people especially after they've heard the album um, really I think thinking about that moment where the album is released and you get to play it for people um, that's like a real moment that is, you think about all the time you know that's really the kind of connection that you you hanker for when you're doing this thing <laughs> yeah well hopefully we won't be waiting uh too much longer hopefully it will come in 2020 and uh i look forward to catching you guys and i look forward to really sinking into this album and really uh getting into it and congratulations again and uh thanks for the chats oh thank you very much john thanks for having me Extending kindness to every person